The Book of the Law, Read to King Josiah by Dutch artist Martin van Heemskerk, circa 1569. The king smashed all the altars to smithereens, the altar on the roof shrine of Ahaz, the various altars the kings of Judah had made, the altars of Manasseh that littered the courtyard of the temple, he smashed them all, pulverized the fragments, and scattered their dust in the valley of Kidron. The king proceeded to make a clean sweep of all the sects and religion shrines that had proliferated east of Jerusalem on the south slope of Abomination Hill, the one Solomon king of Israel had built to the obscene Sidonian sex goddess Ashtoreth, to Chemosh the dirty old god of the Moabites, and to Milcom the depraved god of the Ammonites. He tore apart the altars, chopped down the phallic Asherah poles, and scattered old bones over the sites. Next, he took care of the altar at the shrine in Bethel that Jeroboam son of Nebat had built the same Jeroboam who had led Israel into a life of sin. He tore apart the altar, burned down the shrine leaving it in ashes, and then lit fire to the phallic Asherah pole. As Josiah looked over the scene, he noticed the tombs on the hillside. He ordered the bones removed from the tombs and had them cremated on the ruined altars, desacralizing the evil altars. This was a fulfillment of the word of God spoken by the holy man years before when Jeroboam had stood by the altar at the sacred convocation. Then the king said, and that memorial stone, whose is that? The men from the city said, that's the grave of the holy man who spoke the message against the altar at Bethel that you have just fulfilled. Josiah said, don't trouble his bones. So, they left his bones undisturbed, along with the bones of the prophet from Samaria. But Josiah hadn't finished. He now moved through all the towns of Samaria where the kings of Israel had built neighborhood sects and religion shrines, shrines that had so angered God. He tore the shrines down and left them in ruins, just as at Bethel. He killed all the priests who had conducted the sacrifices and cremated them on their own altars, thus desacralizing the altars. Only then did Josiah return to Jerusalem. The king now commanded the people, Celebrate the Passover to God, your God, exactly as directed in this book of the covenant. This commanded Passover had not been celebrated since the days that the judges judged Israel, none of the kings of Israel and Judah had celebrated it. But in the eighteenth year of the rule of King Josiah this very Passover was celebrated to God in Jerusalem. Josiah scrubbed the place clean and trashed spirit mediums, sorcerers, domestic gods, and carved figures, all the vast accumulation of foul and obscene relics and images on display everywhere you looked in Judah and Jerusalem. Josiah did this in obedience to the words of God's revelation written in the book that Hilkiah the priest found in the temple of God. There was no king to compare with Josiah, neither before nor after, a king who turned in total and repentant obedience to God, heart and mind and strength, following the instructions revealed to and written by Moses. The world would never again see a king like Josiah. The Message The Book of the Law Found, Unknown Artist, 1913 To say that King Josiah cleaned house is a significant understatement. Having found the Book of the Law, which was lost for generations deep within the temple, Josiah took its words to heart and set about a campaign of reformation like no king before him. Indeed, Josiah was determined to restore and implement the law in the life of the nation of Judah. His zeal knew no bounds. Josiah was doggedly relentless and actively radical in returning the Jews to the true worship of Yahweh. Josiah did more than reinstitute the Passover and other festivals of the Lord. The king first appended the alternative pagan worship which had become embedded in Judah like a death-dealing cancer. Josiah surgically removed it with ruthless precision. King Josiah made ashes out of Asherah poles, put pagan priests out of business permanently, and did away with everything contrary to the worship of the one true God, including spiritual mediums, household gods, and sacrificial high places. In order to turn his heart fully to God, he did away with all competing gods. 
greater than repentance, renewal, and reformation requires a twofold process, one, turning away from what is false, and two, turning toward what is true. Turning from spiritually unhealthy ways of living, without turning to God, is merely a half-repentance. Furthermore, turning to God, without turning one's back on damaging lifestyles, is a form of denial and is dangerous. We are to put off the old clothes of spiritual insensitivity and social injustice. We are to put on the new clothes of righteousness and peace. We are to forsake the old inner person of shame in order to embrace the new life of freedom and joy. There needs to be a radical removal of sin, so as to replace it with what is just and right. And, keep in mind, that none of this is pretty or romantic. Repentance and renewal is a messy ugly process of dispelling darkness and letting light shine. It is not for the faint of heart. Where to begin? Make a fierce, brutally honest spiritual inventory of your life. No one can turn from something they are not really aware of. So, create in your schedule some time in the week to connect with God and do the following. Identify some areas for change, then list the obstacles to turning away from them, for example, fear, despair, financial repercussions, etc. Face those obstacles honestly and forthrightly. Form a rudimentary plan to forsake the old ways and embrace new paths of righteousness. This is only a beginning. Let God take that process and direct it in redemptive and purifying ways. Holy God, you are jealous for your own glory. Today, I decide to identify and put away all that is contrary to your righteousness and will for my life. And I choose to turn to you with all my heart. In body, soul, and spirit I belong to you. Amen.